Welcome to the Dayspring Community Church Podcast. Check out our website at dayspringonline.org. And now, Dr. Matt Friedemann. This morning, he tells you you can be blessed. I need to get a shout out about that. I can be blessed today, right? I can be blessed in this year. I can be blessed this week. God wants you to live a blessed life. Well, we're going to talk about it a little bit. Let me say this. Um, I've been reading uh, in the Psalms, and if you have that sheet that we we just shown that sheet, we're reading through the Bible together. So this is I, this today the eighth day. All right, and I know that because I did it this morning. Already done it this morning. Uh, read through and. Uh, We're in a psalm, and sometimes that psalm will turn into a proverb, but I like the fact that we spend daily time in what we call the wisdom literature, the psalms and proverbs. Having said that, um, I want to explain to you the psalms, and we're going to be in Psalm 1 this morning, which is the psalm I would have been with you in last week had uh, Caleb not been here and and, and done what uh, he did with us. Well, we're going to explain the psalms to you. These were songs that were sung. Some of them were after the exile. But if you remember, there came a time after Solomon when there was civil war. And there was a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. Eventually, the northern kingdom gets swept away to Assyria. We never hear of them again. And the southern kingdom gets taken eventually captive by Babylon. And so they go to Babylon. And while they're there... um, they start thinking about their lives. Why did we end up here? Why are we in that? For kind of, we are God's chosen people. And of course, they get the message. They heard the prophets, but they had a chance to think about the prophets. And the prophets told them, when you don't live the way God wants you to live, hey, we got a problem in River City. And they hadn't. They know they hadn't. So they started putting together the prophets. And they started, getting, they started putting it into a volume. And that's going to be known to us as the Old Testament. Now, some of the Psalms were put together. And when they began ordering the Psalms, as you know, you kind of want to lead with something special. And so when they started gathering the Psalms together, they decided, let's lead with Psalm 1. That's important because it's what they call the gateway to the Psalms. Now, all these Psalms are going to be important, because when they get back to the second temple, now you say second temple, what are we talking about here? Well, the first temple was what Solomon made, and all the kings after did their business, did their worship business at this place, the temple. But when that temple uh, has an opportunity to get besieged by the enemies, it falls, and that happens as they're going to Babylon. Now they're going to come back from Babylon, and they're going to worship in a temple that they rebuild. It's not going to be anything like Solomon's temple, but they're going to have a temple. And they know that in that temple, Yahweh has a special dwelling place. And don't you think it's probably wise that we have special songs that we sing to him in this second temple? So they rebuild the temple, they rebuild the walls, and they begin worshiping ardently. They begin worshiping with enthusiasm. They begin lifting their... And they use these 150 songs, these 150 poems in a special way. These are called, if you want to add even another special layer to it, these 150 psalms are called the prayer book of Jesus. They're what the Son of God would have used to praise the Lord, to seek after Him, even to seek His will. 
Jesus would have had these memorized. He would have sung them regularly in the second temple. And he would have used them even in his own life. For instance, we know that when he's on the cross, he uses Psalm 22 and Psalm 31. My God, why have you forsaken me? And then, into your hands I commit my spirit. These things are so on his mind that when he's dying, they're brought up. I'm just going to suggest to you these 150 songs are what we call the playlist of Jesus. And we're going to cover these over the next... Now, we're not going to cover all of them, 150 of them. It'd be well worth the journey if we did. We're not going to do that. But every year, I kind of like to do a little mini-series in the Psalms. So we're, re, uh, in, uh, we're re-engaging the playlist of Jesus today, and we're going to cover some of these. Psalm 1 is what they call the gateway to the Psalms. It explains the two ways. Someone this morning came up to me and says, listen, I've had an encounter with God this week. And man, that was really encouraging to me. We're going to have a baptism this morning of of a young lady that has had an encounter with God. Isn't it great to have a place where we're doing adult baptisms? You know, I want you to know we're doing a whole bunch of them out at the the prison. But isn't it great? We're doing them here as well. And so... Uh, I, I, I said to the gentleman, listen, we probably need to be thinking in terms of talking some more and eventually getting baptized. And of course, he was all up and in for that. But the whole point here is, y'all, the reason he wants baptized and the reason anybody wants baptized is they've seen I've taken the bad way. I've repented, come back, and now I want to take the good way. And Psalm 1 is about the two ways. That's why it's called the gateway to the Psalms. Let's choose the right way. So, if you'd please stand in reverence to the Word of God as we do Psalm 1 together. Blessed is the person who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight, say that word delight. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He's going to be like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and his leaf does not weather. Everything he does prospers. Wow. Not so the wicked. They're like the chaff which the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Jesus, help us to understand this today like never before. It's your name we pray. Amen. Good. You may be seated. I don't know what your mama did for you on your birthday, if she did anything at all. I know what mine did. Uh, it, was, it was kind of, I mean, mom made all birthdays and celebrations and Christmas and Easter. All of it was beautiful, wonderful, incredible. Uh, but birthdays, you know, if a kid has a birthday, it's kind of nice to have a mom making some big to-do out of it. And she would always ask, one of the things she would do is ask, what would you like to eat for dinner? Now, she might not serve it up for everybody, but she'd serve it up for you. Now, think of the possibilities here, you know? I mean, steak. We never ate steak. I say never ate steak. I remember eating steak, and when it was incredible good, but we hardly ever ate it. By the way, did your mom ever say, how would you like it? My mom never once said, how would you like it? I didn't know you could have it different ways. (laughs) Cooked was how I kind of liked it, and that's how she gave it to me, right? So you could have steak. You could have, you know, stroganoff. You could just, any number of things. Pick what you want. Pick what you want. 
And every Christmas that I can remember, I said, I want fruit plate. So she'd just go out and buy all different kinds of fruit. She'd cut them up and put them on her plate. She inevitably asked every time out, is that all you want? I said, Mom, that's glorious to me. Fruit? Yeah, I want fruit. Give me a fruit plate. Now, I don't know. I just got this thing about fruit. Love fruit. What I've noticed is when I'm out of shape and I'm not exercising, I don't really crave fruit. When I am getting in shape and I am exercising, which has to be right now, I love fruit. I came home yesterday from a 11,000 step walk with my wife and I craved apples. I want apples. I mean, listen, I got, a, I got a love affair with apples. Anybody here with me? Anybody here? I have a love affair, a lifelong love affair with apples. I one day was in Michigan and someone said, I was up there speaking and someone said, hey, would you like to see an apple orchard in Michigan, which apparently is a great place to see apple orchards? I said, well, I would love to. Went to see these... Ugh, Oh, wow, these huge trees and just the glorious apples and uh, all the things you can make. You could have apple butter, you could have applesauce, you could have apple juice, you could have, I mean, cider, all all kinds of things. And I partook of everything they offered up. I, I love apples. Well, the whole point here is this is a book about fruit. Anybody here want to be fruitful? And I like, I've started to think about it in the way that Aristotle used to think about it. The virtuous life is the flourishing life. If you want to be fruitful, what you're saying is, I would like to flourish. If you like your leaf never to wither, what you're saying is, I don't want my leaf to die. I want my leaf to flourish. I want to flourish. And so this is the book about that very thing. In fact, if you want to look at the flourishing life, look down there at verse 3. The blessed man is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Does that sound good to you for the year 2023? Lord, plant me by refreshment. I want to yield apples, oranges, apricots, figs, whatever you like to eat. I want to yield fruit in season. And I don't want my leaf to ever wither. Everything I do this, this year, Lord, I'm going to do it for you. And in everything I do for you, I want to prosper. That's the flourishing life. Now, we're going to get more of that here in just a minute because there's a key to the flourishing life. But having said that, I want to flourish. And if you'd like to flourish, say a prayer with me right now. Lord, I want to flourish. So I'm going to take Psalm 1 seriously. Ah, that was a pitiful articulation of that. So I want to take Psalm 1 seriously. And so let's do it. The second thing here is not just a flourishing life. Look down there, verse 4. There is the, what I'm going to call the lightweight life or the unfruitful life. Um, and it's not so the wicked. They're like chaff that the wind blows away. My friend Roberto Stevens in Mexico City said he preached on this last week, and I'm in a group with him every week, so this is how I know this. He said he actually got some wheat, and he was actually outside. He has an outside place that holds 10,000 people. I think 4,000 were there on this particular meeting. And he actually had an opportunity to throw wheat up, and it was a windy day, so everybody could see that the wheat would come down, but the chaff would blow away. And that's what chaff is. The wheat falls down, chaff blows away, and that's how they got the chaff out. But the chaff is good for nothing. 
You didn't want to say that word, did you? The chaff is good for? And that's the point here. Now, you talk about a nothing life. I think Ecclesiastes is largely about the nothing life. I was uh, in my office this week. I had uh, Matt Ayers, who's the president of the seminary, and Elijah, my son, who was vice president of the seminary, and for some reason they were in my office. And uh, we're sitting there, and, and Matt talks about his conversion. And he says, yeah, I got converted by reading Ecclesiastes. I said, you've got to be kidding me. Ecclesiastes? You got saved by reading that book? Because it starts off, as you remember, vanity of vanity, all is vanity. Meaningless, meaningless, everything's empty, empty, everything's empty. You got converted reading emptiness, vanity, meaningless? The word's hevel, say hevel. The word's hevel, and he says, yeah, because that was my life at that point. I was an athlete. He was a swimmer, actually. And he says, I I won awards. My team won awards. We got everything. But I noticed every time I won something, it wasn't enough. I had to win the next thing, or my life was still empty. I thought, wow. I see why Ecclesiastes works. My life was empty until I won the next thing. And guess what? There's always a next thing. You can never win enough. I remember uh, Jim Carrey at uh, the Emmys or something. I forget what award ceremony. He got up and says, you know, I'm Jim Carrey, winner of seven Emmys. Everybody clapped. And he says, yeah. And my whole dream in life is to win number eight. Problem is when you get to number eight, your whole dream in life is to win nine. And you'll never get there. Your life is always empty. Now, Elijah was sitting right over. He says, you know, I know three or four people that came to know the Lord because of Ecclesiastes. I said, for the same reason? He says, exactly. My life is empty. Now, let me tell you about the word hevel. Hevel is a word that means breath. But there's a breath of God, and there's a breath of you and me. And you and me have this breath. And Solomon seemed to be saying, do you see anything there? Well, there's nothing there. That's my life. Meaningless. Vanity, emptiness, hevel, that's my life. And that word, I think, comes up something 60 or 70 times in that book. Hevel, 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 empty, meaningless. God, we don't want lives like that. We want lives full of you, full of meaning and purpose, and more, perhaps, than even that, full of the ruach of God. That's the breath, the wind, the spirit of the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. Lord, make us like that. So, you can even have a flourishing life or the lightweight life, which will come and go. I'm mindful of that famous poet that said, All I am is a bag blown to and fro by the wind. Jesus says you don't have to be blown to and fro by the wind unless we're talking about the wind of the Spirit then let me blow in you. Let me make you come alive. And let me take you on a journey that will be incredibly fulfilling. Now, number three is this. The key to this kind of fruitful, flourishing life, which I think we've all said, I want this year for my life. The key to this is delight. Look down there, verse two. But the blessed man's delight is in the law of the Lord. We would know that today as simply the Bible. 
His delight is in the law of the Lord. And on that law, he meditates day and night. Let's talk about that just a minute. Delighting. I was thinking this morning, I don't know why, just on the way here, I was thinking about some parents that uh, need to loosen up a little bit. You think, man, some of us are parents, are going to be parents, or have parented. I don't know if you can agree with this or not, but I'm just going to tell you. I think a lot of parenting goes bad simply by the attitude of the parent. Um, you come in, and you've had a tough day at work, so you're just grumbling. You're bickering, you're fussing, you're bellyaching, and you just take that on into supper, and let's bellyache together at the dinner table. And then your favorite program has been preempted because the President of the United States wants to give an address. So you just... And one day like that turns into a week like that, turns into a month like that, turns into a childhood of your kid looking at you doing that. I just think... There's some part of this is simply willpower. I need to will joy. I remember Stanley Jones saying, you know, y'all right now singing the joy of the Lord is my... You know, you need to send a message of joy to your face. I'd like to know that, Austin. Someday you need to, we need to start doing this. Uh, just how much joy is there in the face of Dayspring as we sing our worship songs? We're singing about God blessing us, God being a... Incredible God. God being a magnificent, highly exalted God. And we're singing it like it's a problem. Now, I know this. I've got that kind of face. Some of you stand right now saying, dude, you need to lighten up. I'm going to tell you here, at least with my parenting, I knew I was that kind of guy because I came from that kind of family. And I just decided, I tried to do this the best I could. When I walked in the door... I've had some interesting years at work. Some of them have been hilarious and wonderful, and some of them not so much. But when I came home after work, I just said, man, I've got to enter into this doorway with happiness. I've got to enter in with joy. Now, did I feel it? No, I did not feel it. Did I act it? I did, and because I acted it, it became eventually more of a reality. In my life. And so, what you do is you have joy in parenting. You have joy in your faith. I'm thinking about those who delighted in the law of the Lord in the Bible. Boy, have you ever read the Psalms much? Y'all are reading them right now. David. Now, not all the Psalms are David's, but man, the Psalter is full of all kinds of emotions, but not infrequently, they're full of joy. And I imagine sometimes Jesus and his family were in the temple. And all kinds of people gathered around saying, you know, we feel the jackboot of Rome on our neck right now. This is not a good place. This is hard. Lord, come quick. And then all of a sudden, Messiah, come quick. And all of a sudden, they start singing these psalms. And they just said, I'm happy now. I'm joyful now. I delight in him now. And Jesus learned how to delight in the law of the Lord based on that worship according to the book of Psalms. Some of us just need to slap ourselves around and say, get joy, get joy, get joy. I think my family would follow me up on this. I hope they heard it enough times, but I'd, I'd grab my Bible book for devotions and I'd love just to kiss it. I'm about ready to enter into a Bible 
And I got to because Dayspring's doing it, and you know, going you know, to the church, and pastor's probably going to ask me about it, so I better read. Instead of that, I'd just say, man, I love my Bible book. And I'd kiss it. Y'all start kissing your Bible. Just say, Lord, I love this book because you are in this book and I love the you that arises out of this book into my life. I had the most delightful call on Friday. I uh, had a discipleship meeting. My second discipleship meeting was canceled, so I thought, well, let me go grab a shower. I'm in the shower enjoying the hot water across my body. When Mary interrupts and says, Keith Kephart is on the phone. Now, you don't know who Keith Kephart is? Back in 1981, he was the national strength coach of the year. He was the best at his profession. He was a national name in his profession. That is, teaching footballers and baseballers and track and field athletes like myself how to lift weights so that we can excel at our event. He was the best in the nation. And he was my workout partner. Well, I'm telling you, it was quite an honor to have him for a workout partner. But we'd wake up every morning at 5.30. And whatever he did, I did. So he'd sit down at the bench and start, you know, I'd change the weights. <laughs> but anyway, and, but sometimes we change the weights for me. On, on that, we change the weight and, you know, a lot less weight for Matt. But on squats, a lot more weight for Matt. I mean, some things you excel at, but anyway, we did this, these workouts together, and it was incredible. And he spoke into my life. He was a total pagan, but he spoke into my life. He went to South Carolina, got hung up on a steroids charge. I forgot to ask him. It's kind of hard to ask a guy like this when he just called you up after 35 years. Hey, did you serve any time in prison? But I think he did. I think he served time for it. If he didn't, he was in a mess and... And I, I knew that he came to know the Lord. I said, Coach, how did you come to know Jesus? He says, well, I started reading the Bible. Now, I want to I sex your story than that. No, 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 no. I want to know, was there anybody involved? He says, no, not really. He says, I was, what he said, he didn't know what he was saying. This, I was Ecclesiastes life. My life was empty. I was in trouble. Uh, I had embarrassed my people. And all of a sudden, everybody knew across the nation, and I mean across the nation, you probably read about it, you've forgotten about it, you've probably read about it in the paper if you read the sports page. And oh my goodness, I'm in trouble, my name's a disgrace. And then he said, I heard someone at Texas A&M, that's where he was at the time. I was at Texas A&M, I heard someone give a testimony, and that drove me back to the Bible. I started reading, and I said, Jesus, I want you in my life. And Jesus came into Keith's life. And so now he is. He's, he's about 16, I think, years older than I am. And so we're having this discussion as mentor, as former lifting partner, to now protege. And now we're, of course, we're, I don't know what we call colleagues, friends, whatever. But I thought, that's the power of the Word of God. Dayspring, that's why we want to read it together this year. Let's take a bit of the Psalms. Let's take a bit of the Old Testament. Let's take a bit of the New Testament. Let's read it together and delight in it. Kiss your Bible. Kiss the Gospels. Kiss Genesis. That's where we're in right now. Kiss it and say, I delight in it. And I want this to be my life. 
Teach me what it means to make this my life. So we delight in it. Second thing is, I just ask our small group. We meet on Thursday nights at my house. Uh, ask our small group. How do you know if someone is delighting in the Word? What do they do? What happens? You're delighting in the Word. And they say, well, you love to hear it. You love to talk about it. You spend time every day in it. You pray it. You meditate on it. By the way, the word meditate, that's an interesting word. Meditate. Uh, look down there. I don't know what it is in your Bible, but I, I got a translation I'm rolling with here right here. At the end of verse 2, on his law, he meditates. The word there is Hagah. And Hagah actually means to mutter. Listen, if you want a little different wrinkle in your devotional life, do it out loud. That's the way Jesus would have done it. It's the way Paul would have done it. It's the way the early church would have done it. Everything was done out loud in those days. No one prayed to themselves quietly with lips closed. No one. No one read to themselves closed. No, everyone was reading out loud, praying out loud, singing out loud. Everything was out loud. Now, I'm going to tell you, there's a challenge there. I feel intimidated in my own house because someone might hear me reading. I've begun to think I really wished someone in my house, like my six kids, could have grown up hearing their dad waking them up, singing the scriptures, praying the scriptures, and talking straight to Jesus out loud. What's the worst that could happen? Now, kids are gone. So for some reason, I'm scared that my wife might hear me sing the Psalms. My wife might hear me sing a Wesleyan hymn. My wife might hear me pray the Psalms. I'm thinking, Friedemann, that's got to be Satan, because Mary, well, she might not think you got a great voice, Mary doesn't care. And you know something? I don't mind that she thinks she might have a nutcase in the other room talking to Jesus. Out loud. So y'all, if you want to add a great wrinkle to your devotional life, do it out loud like Jesus, like everybody else at that time. In fact, they did it all the way up in the Greco-Roman world too, not just in that world of, of Jesus's. I'm going to suggest to you, mutter it. And that's what meditate means. Hagah means mutter. To do it out loud. On his law, he mutters it all day long. You ought to have about three or four people say, what's that you said? And you're not even talking to them. You're talking to Jesus. You talk about the Word. You're, you're opening up the Word for yourself. So I want to show you a fascinating insight, okay? If you have your Bible, you'll notice that there is a chapter 2, Psalm 2. And the word Haggah is used down there. So in Psalm 2, why are the nations restless and the peoples plot in vain? And the word plot is Hagah. To me, that makes no sense. On his law, he Hagah, day and night. Why are the peoples Hagah in vain? What does that even mean? I think it means this. I'm going to talk about it, and I'm going to plot as I talk. Because <laughs> listen, remember, we're back in our small group now. I'm saying, hey, what does it mean to delight in the word of the Lord? And this is what they said. It means to hear it to talk about it, to do it in group, to do regular devotions, to pray it. I love praying according to the Word. I do most of my prayer life is according to the Word. In fact, this morning, I prayed for you, every one of you, by name, and I prayed the eighth beatitude. I said, Lord, today's the eighth. Let me pray the eighth beatitude. You know what the eighth beatitude is? Blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness. 
this. Lord, help us to be persecuted well. Now, you might not be being persecuted this week, but we may well be in our lifetime. And when it happens, know that I was praying for you all the way back in 2023 for that very thing. Every one of you got prayed for that way today. So what I'm suggesting, it won't happen tomorrow that way. I'm off on to something else. But having said that, I want you to know you are prayed for, but it's according to the Word. So I asked the small group, hey, how do we delight? Well, we love to hear it. Regular devotions, pray it, meditate on them. Plot according to them. I said, something's missing. We couldn't quite put our finger, something's missing. We finally decided that the thing that was missing was this. You can do all that stuff. You can read it. You can pray it. You can do regular devotions. You can meditate on them. You can talk about it in your small group. But if you don't do it, you're not delighting in the law of the Lord. You're not delighting in the Bible. You're not even delighting in God as much as you think you might. What I'm saying is this. A lot of people can come and worship with smiles on their faces, with hands held, saying, oh, I just love the Lord so much. I don't doubt that you do. But you don't if you don't do the will of the Lord. You must do it to delight in it. And when we do it, it ought to be a hilarious thing. In fact, I'm going to tell you, one of the best ways you can read your Scripture is going to have a Psalms passage for you, a Genesis passage for you this week, and a Matthew passage for you this week. I know that because I've been through them already. I'm just trying to get out ahead of you a little bit. I've done them all, and I'm going to tell you they're delightful, but it's not enough to read it. You ought to look back over that and say, now how can I praise this God of this passage? So worship Him. Don't have to be much. Spend 15 seconds in worship, 30 seconds in worship, just praising the God of this passage. But then do a second thing. Is there anything that I can do? Worship Him, then say, but I'm going to do it. That would be a life of integrity. Worshiping without doing is not a life of integrity. And sometimes you're going to think, I don't know how to do it. Jesus, could you show me today how I could put some of this in motion? You might be confused and don't know. That's okay. But he wants to know you have a heart to do the will of the Lord. And I think that's what plot means. <laughs> his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he plots about how to do it day and night. plot how to do his will last thing is simply this you will be separate from the world if you follow the law of the lord if you do the law of the lord if you delight in the law of the lord you're going to be separate blessed is the man verse one who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers that's the first verse Go down to the last couple of verses. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. You are going to be separate now, and you're going to be separate in the end. Now, let me remind you what separate means. It doesn't mean we don't engage the ungodly. No, we invite the ungodly into our lives so we can bless them, we can feed them, we can build relationships with them, so we can show them to Jesus. That's a good kind of togetherness. But we do not follow their thought life. We do not follow their ways. We are separate from that. We're sanctified from that. And if we're not, then we won't be sanctified from them in the end. We go to hell just like they do. 
But what I want to be is a guy that's separate now from their counsel, separate now from their way, separate now from their mockery. By the way, a couple of interesting progressions there. That whole thing, and many of us have known this, but notice, walk in the counsel of the wicked, stand in the way of sinners, sit in the seat of mockers, walk. Here, here, everybody look up. I'm walking. Now I'm standing. And since I might not get up, I'm, now I'm sitting. Just pretend I've got a bench here. Now I'm sitting. There's a difference there, isn't it? I'm walking with sin, but pretty soon I feel comfortable enough to stand in it. Pretty soon I want to sit down and start dealing cards. And that's the temptation of all of our lives. Y'all don't walk with it, don't stand with it, and don't sit in it. Now I'm telling you, invite them into your life. Pursue a relationship with them so that you may draw them to Jesus Christ. So that they might become separate like you are separate. So it's one of those, don't be separate, but be separate. And if we can't get that message, the world drags us down. Satan drags us down. It's not what we want. So walk, stand, sit. The second thing there is simply this, judgment. There is a current judgment. Listen, if you live this way, most cases, most of the time, you're going to live a life of abundance that feels like the life of abundance. Amen? I mean, I know about some of your stories. And you used to do whatever you darned well want. That was drinking a gallon of vodka a day. Yeah, someone did that here. If you ask that guy, hey, when you're drinking vodka, I bet you thought you were really living the abundant life, right? Yeah. But then you stopped. And then you really started living the abundant life. That's the two roads. You can do what you want, what you're addicted to, or you can get addicted to Jesus. But you can't do both. Addicted to something else. And that something else could be something as wicked and evil as vodka, or casino gambling, or football. Woo, stop now. Stop. Don't do that, preacher. I just brought a guest, and you know, I know. But we can't be addicted to anything other than God Almighty, Jesus Christ, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so that's where we want to be found. I'm going to mess this story up a little bit because just because I want to. I want to change it up. Soren Kierkegaard told a lot of goose stories. And uh, you think, oh, here we go with the goose story again. I want to do a different goose story for you, okay? So hang in there. You're about ready to click it off because he's doing that goose story again. This is a different goose story. Soren Kierkegaard looked around at Copenhagen. And he said, you know, these people love to worship, love to go to church on Sundays, but their lives are hell. They don't live it. And some of them, it's not so much as hell, it's just like nothing. It's mediocrity. And so he wrote lots of poems, not so much poem, prose and, and stories. He really loved telling parables. So this was a parable. Imagine a goose one day is flapping along and all of a sudden he gets injured. And he falls down amongst a group of pigs. He's looking around and says, oh, this isn't normal. But pretty soon he starts eating like a pig. He tries to honk like him, but it's a different kind of honk that the goose does. But anyway, he tries to articulate like they articulate. Got the worldview of a pig. Got the understanding of a pig. Got the lifestyle of a pig. I mean, this goose was a goose, but he's basically a pig. You know what I mean? 
It's kind of like you and me. We're made in the image of God, but no, so much. We're not acting like the image of God. So he was a goose, but acting very much like a pig. And one day, a flock of geese flew over. And he knew that because he heard them. Now, pigs don't look up in the sky much. He didn't look up in the sky much. But one day, he heard a familiar sound or some sound that reached deep within his soul. And he looked up. And one of the pigs next to him says, you know, you're a goose. Go fly. Get up there with him. He says, well, I think I will. He flapped his wings about five or six times. He got up in the air. And he thought, man, this is work. He quit flapping and fell back down. And he waddled back to the pigs and stayed a pig. These psalms were written for the chosen people to remind them who they were. He says, and for too long you disobeyed me and you ended up in exile, but you are not an exiled people. You are the chosen people of God. I need for you to fly. I need for you to act like it so that you may prosper. Jesus, Dayspring wants to prosper. Jesus, we want to be fruitful. Jesus, we want to have the flourishing life. Oh, Lord God, make it happen for us. By your grace, I love that term, planted by streams of water. Trees don't plant themselves. Fruit trees don't plant themselves. They are planted. So God, could you, by your grace, plant us by refreshment so that we might grow like you want us to grow. Be fruitful like you want us to be fruitful so that we might be the people of God you want us to be. This is going to be a great year. It's going to be the greatest year ever at Dayspring. Some things are going to happen this year at Dayspring that are absolutely and totally phenomenal. Lord, we're bracing ourselves for that prosperity. Bring it on, Lord God. Lord, on one sense, we do not like the prosperity gospel, but we do like the prosperity you bring to us because of the gospel. So bring it on, Lord God. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.